Welcome to the Power of Synergy. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and today we're going to do the show a little bit differently. What I'm going to be talking about today is something I talk about a lot of times. It's just personalities. Everybody has a personality. A lot of people have heard about the Myers-Briggs type indicator. You know what? Let's just talk about natural. Let's, let's talk about it from the approach of natural. My show is the power of synergy. What is synergy? It's what we create when we come together. What better way to come together than naturally? You know what? We all have a different world that we live in externally. What kind of world do you live in internally? It's your personality. It's your true nature. And what we need to do is understand and appreciate our true nature. And that's the only way we're going to be able to help and embrace and enable, encourage other people to do the same. When we are all true to our nature and we're all doing healthy things with and for each other, that continues to create a better quality synergy. We all want to be happier people. We do that when the people around us are happy. There is no way we can be around people and not feel their energy and vice versa. They feel what's going on inside of us. The only way to have good quality things going on inside of you is by embracing what's natural, letting it happen naturally and letting it flow. Well, that's easy to say, but man, it's hard to do if you don't even know who you naturally are. Now, I've always said that the reason I do well in work and relationships and time and money management, it really is because I love the people that I'm around and I let them be who they are naturally, but I understand them. I know how to appreciate who they are. And I say to them, you are really good at this, whatever it is. Let's, let's do that. Let me be with you when you do that. Because first of all, it's going to put you in a higher quality state. And then it's going to make my life better. I kind of use the, um, the example of the body, the human body, right? Well, if you need some problem figured out, you don't go to a muscle, okay? If you need something firm and stiff like a bone, you don't go to the heart. Go to people for what they have to offer, and say, I want you to be the best you can be because that's going to help me be the best that I can be. That's a good, a good concept, good idea. Now, I usually talk about the dichotomies and then the dispositions and then the functional order. I'm going to do it in reverse today. Today was, you know what, the time change, uh, a little a little changes in the scheduling. Well, you know what? In Arizona, I'm, I'm in Phoenix. <laughs> we, don't, we don't change time. <laughs> so a lot of the people are going to be on this show a little bit late, if, if at all, live today. That's okay because there's a recording and you're going to want to play this back. Good. Go ahead and play it as many times as you need to. But what I always teach people is everybody does everything in life. You have to do everything in life if you're going to be successful. So you might be resistant to saying you're only one personality type. Well, no, you do everything. And it's really wrong to just to um, closet someone or fence someone in to just one personality type because that, that limits who you think they are. No, it, it helps you understand what you're starting with. The individuality of the manifestation of that personality 
you don't have to box that into anything because everybody is unique and different. It just helps you understand their true nature better. So when I talk about four levels of behavior, most people who know their four letters of their personality, they don't know their functional order. That's a very important thing to know because it's going to tell you what things are easy for them, what things are hard for them. But you know what? Don't even think about anybody else today. Start with you. You might not even know what your true nature is. So as I'm talking about different things, just ask yourself, take the time to stop and think and say, you know what? What is naturally the most comfortable thing for me to do? What naturally am I really good at? You might not even be doing it right now. That's okay. Think about four different things that we're going to be talking about, four things today. Um, they're levels of activity. Now, one of them, we call it your dominant function, but I'm not going to use the terms today throughout the show. I'm just going to tell you in the beginning. One is the dominant function. It's like breathing for you. It's so delicious. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to put forth effort. In fact, if someone tells you while you're in the middle of doing something with your dominant function, stop, don't do it anymore. It's very hard for you to stop doing it. That's what you really need to get to know about yourself. The second level called the auxiliary level, it's like eating. It's good for you. It nourishes you. You don't have to do it all this time like breeding, but you do periodically need to do it. The third level is the tertiary function. I liken it to walking. You know what? Walking's good. It's good. It's not, it's not a hard thing to do. But doing it for an extended period of time, you know what? You can get really tired and you need somewhere to go in order to keep doing it. The fourth level, it's like running for you. Oh my God. Okay, you know what? You can do it. You absolutely can do it. If you practice it really well, if you practice it a lot, Okay, you can do it really well, but you still shouldn't do it for an extended period of time. Some people, when I say you need to know your nature, because when you're doing something and you're having a really hard time doing it, you are then better able to identify, are you having a hard time? Because it's an activity that is just really hard for you to do. If it is, great, then you will know what you need to do in order to get better at doing it. Well, is what you're doing an activity on maybe a walking or an eating level for your personality, but you're having, it's not going right, then you know which activity you need to take care of. It might just be because you have a, a really profound issue that you need to work on. When you know what that activity is for your personality, you can go straight to the issue and solve it. If it happens to be something that it should be as easy as breathing for you and you say, wow, I'm usually actually really good at this activity, then you can say, you know what? The reason I'm struggling right now is because I need to take a time out and get myself recentered and get myself at peace. And then I can go back to doing something that's very healthy and very natural and very good for me, like breathing in a healthful way. Just because it's breathing doesn't mean you can't do it in a destructive way. You can breathe in a, in a fast way. You could breathe in a weird way. You could inhale unhealthy things like some exhaust from a, a vehicle. Okay. 
when you know what your activities are for your personality, then you can say, okay, you know what? Maybe it's because I just need to take care of myself for right now. I really do want to just spend time putting myself into a higher quality state and then allow my own body to take over naturally to do this activity in a better way. Well, you could say, no, actually, there is a, a profound issue. I do need more professional help. And when I go to that professional, I am empowered to know exactly what it is that I need help from them with. Or you know what? You can say, I just really am bad at this, and I'm always going to be bad at it, and it's always going to make me upset to do it. Then you can learn how to manage that lower level activity in a way that's really good for your personality using the activities that are your higher level activities. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and review real quickly the different um, dichotomies, but then also very specifically find out which dichotomy letters fall on which number ladder rung for you. Is it one, number two, number three, or number four? But really understand what each of those activities are in your daily life in a practical way. When you're going through your day, is this an extroverted intuition activity or is it an introverted sensory feeling thing? Okay, let's find out. Okay, we're going to take a real quick break. Go ahead if you need to get some pen and paper because I might be going through this in fast for you way or maybe a confusing way, but I am going to clarify everything I say as I go throughout the show. We're going to take a real quick break. My name is Gabrielle Cardona. This is the power of synergy on BBS Radio. back to the power of synergy. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. This is BBS Radio. I'm going live today. I'm going natural today, outdoors. First of all, because it's Phoenix and it's a sunny day and I love the sunshine, but also because my show today is about being true to the natural you, understanding your true nature and embracing it, letting it manifest itself in a very healthy way for you. Okay, so everybody does everything. I'm going to say it one more time. Everybody does everything. Your personality is not about what you currently do. It's about how you feel while you're doing it and how easy or how hard it is for you to do. So as I go through the letters of your, your personality, I've done other shows where I literally talk the entire time just about the specifics of these letters. But I'm going to give you a, a quicker overview today so we can get more, um, look more carefully at them in the context of how much you want to do them, how well 
you do them. And yeah, how easier or how, how hard they are for you to do. So the first dichotomy of your personality is about your social energy. Okay, now introvert or extrovert? Well, you know what? <laughs> Lately, ambivert has become very popular because yeah, some people do some things in an extroverted way and they do other things in an introverted way. Everybody does some things in an extroverted way. They do some things in an introverted way because that's the only way to keep your energy healthy and positive and balanced. So let's talk about what you are more naturally inclined to do and which one you do better. One of the, the my favorite questions to ask people, and they're an introvert or an extrovert, who do you call your friend? An introvert has very, very contained social and emotional energy. So they only reach out to people to profoundly connect with people as friends selectively when it really is a, a connection, a personal connection, because they get their energy from inside themselves and they spend it on the people who are important to them. Okay. And extrovert, Hey, I like you. You like me. Great. We're friends. Even when we have a hard time, <laughs> doesn't mean we're not friends. Everybody has a hard time. Yeah. Okay. If you, if you like pretty much everybody who comes along, you're probably an extrovert. If you're, you know what, you like a lot of people, but you're not going to let them inside of you intimately, emotionally, you're probably an introvert. The second question I ask people about this is how much do you like to be loud? Okay. You know what? Sometimes when you get a lot of the energy and you kind of get up your energy and you get loud because you're excited. Okay. Extroverts don't always know that they're loud because they're usually in a loud situation and they don't mind turning up the volume. An introvert would say, I don't like it when you are loud and I have to yell to compete with you. I will stop talking and I might even walk away if I'm overwhelmed by the volume that you're creating when you're with me. A third question I really do love to ask is, <laughs> how much does it bother you to be interrupted? You know what? Extroverts don't even know that they're being interrupted because they're probably talking over you. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't even know it and they're okay doing that because they know you're going to go right ahead and reciprocate yeah no an introvert would say go ahead finish i'll wait and i would appreciate it if you would bestow on me that same blessing <laughs> give me that same consideration that i'm giving you yeah okay definitely now that leads me to my fourth question and it's not, it's not a surprise per se. It's kind of a mixture of all of them. When you have a very special event in your life, something that means a lot to you, do you want a lot of people there and to be the center of attention of that group? Or is it more of a private, intimate thing that, again, you really only want your friends there? That's maybe with people. And it can be intimate event. Enough said. You know, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, pretty much. Now, keep in mind, again, because you are still going to do some things in an extroverted way, even if you're an introvert, and other things in an introverted way, even if you're an extrovert, that's okay. You just need to know which one you are more inclined to do more often. Okay. The second letter of your personality is about where you focus your attention. Okay, you know what? We've got a lot of stuff going on around us. We've got a lot of stuff going on inside of us. 
you can either be sensory or intuitive. Sensory people are very focused on what's going on with their five senses at all times. They like to be stimulated. An intuitive says, well, you know what? I've got all this stuff going on around me, but my mind and my body and my heart are putting the pieces together. They're giving me complete thoughts and ideas and feelings. And I'm wondering what those feelings mean and how I can use those in a good way in life. A sensor would say, you use it in a good practical way. You, you do things, right? You see things, you smell things, you touch things, you hear things, you taste things. And an intuitive would say, yeah, in order to understand life more deeply, more profoundly. So let me ask you some questions. If that doesn't tell you pretty much, just based on your general modus operandi. Number one, when you have the opportunity to experience something that might not be pleasant, and you already know that it might not be pleasant, do you kind of look forward to that opportunity and say, yeah, I want the stimulation because, hey, worst case scenario, I'll learn something from the negative experience. Or do you say, you know what? I, I can see that other people are having a negative experience. I want to, to put that information to good use in my life long-term, which leads me to my second question. Do you think that right here, right now is what's real? That is what's important in life. Or do you say, you know what? Right here and right now is temporary. It's about what that represents in the big picture of life that doesn't just involve me it involves everybody else okay that means that's your intuitive the next question is you know what how much do you want to understand how things are interrelated and connected well you know what let me just skip that one because i'm going to give the perfect example <laughs> okay if you were walking like i'm walking you see me walking if you were to walk around the street three or four different times and you came back a week later, how well would you remember the street you just walked on? A sensor would say, I remember exactly what I saw. I remember exactly where it was. I remember exactly where I went. And intuitive would say, which, which way is north? Which way is north? Wait a minute. No, I was on that street. No, I think I was on that street. You would actually need to know the names of the streets and where they were in the city and what very important landmarks were on the corner that you would use as a frame of reference. Sensors really do remember their physical experiences. Intuitives can get kind of lost. They can literally be right at something and not see it because they are so caught up in their own thoughts and their own feelings in that moment something would have to tell them you need to look at this <laughs> okay. the third letter of your personality third um function of your personality is how do you make decisions you've got all this information from your senses and your intuition again you do both just one more than the other how do you make decisions when you have to choose what you're gonna do you are either a thinker or a feeler you know what that doesn't mean that you're smart or emotional it's very very um, hard for some people to make a commitment one because they think that one is inherently good and the other one is bad or they would say well both of them are good yes they are both good and they can both potentially be bad but you do naturally prefer one more than the other now decisions are about in the thinking or feeling context other people's needs being the foundation for what you do
a thinker says, I want to make decisions that are logical and rational and intelligent and objective. It needs to make sense to me. And I need to know that it's a smart thing to do. Yeah, that is about people's feelings. But people's feelings are not going to be the deciding factor in my choice. A feeler would say, well, you know what? Yeah, logical is, it's nice and it's important. Rational is okay from time to time. But you know what? People are what matter. People are what truly matter in life. You have to take their feelings into consideration. You have to understand what their thoughts and feelings are. And even if it doesn't make any sense, if they genuinely do have a personal need, it's my responsibility to tend to it. Because if I don't, I am a genuinely bad person. A thinker would say, you know what? Sometimes you're just not going to be happy. So let's ask a few questions. You know pretty much from what I've said what you tend to be more naturally than one or the other. One of the questions is, if you had the opportunity to, you know what, um, perform surgery on someone that you loved, would you be able to say, I understand you're going through pain, but I can detach from that and, and learn how to perform this very precise activity? You know what? A thinker would actually be able to say, I'm going to compartmentalize your feelings. A feeler would say, oh my gosh, if you're crying and I'm the one performing surgery on you, I'm the one making you cry. I wouldn't be able to focus at all. And I would feel horrible that I would have to do that to you. Okay. Um, another question I ask people is when um, you're talking about laws, should people's behavior be based on laws? Or should laws be based on people's behavior? One is the source. One is the, um, the result, right? One is the cause. One is the effect. Obviously, people's behavior are, are important. It's important. Laws are very important. Which one is more important? Strict adherence to something that has been established as a good thing for people to do because it makes sense. Or what people's true, genuine, personal needs are in that situation. Are you a thinker or a feeler? And the last letter of your personality is um, how you make, how you carry, sorry, how you carry those decisions out. You're either a perceiver or a judger. Okay, now, judger doesn't mean that you're judgmental. Perceivers can be judgmental. Okay, what this means, um, these letters mean is, are you either, um, <clears throat> are very structured and very consistent and very established in the way that you do things, very predictable or you're spontaneous and flexible and, and um, trying new things, willing to try new things. Now, I like to ask very straightforward questions on this one because people know immediately <laughs> what, what they do in life, how they do it in life. The number one question I like to ask is, would you rather be 57 minutes early or three minutes late? You know what? A perceiver would say, life happens stuff happens, you're going to be late. And hey, if it didn't start before I got there, then I'm not really late now, am I? A J would say, you know what, if you need, you know, you know, you need to be there at 3.30, you need to be there at 3.30. If you think you're going to be three, four or five minutes late, get there an hour early because it's your responsibility to adhere to the established um, standards, right? And comply. The second one is, uh, do you like to write lists? <laughs> do you like to write lists of the things that you need to do? Okay, yeah. Everyone likes to write the list because it's inspiring. It's very nice to say, yeah, motivational. Well, 
a perceiver would say, sure, I write lists all the time, but I'll probably lose them within an hour. Okay. A J, a judger would say, yeah, I write lists pretty much all the time. And I like to check off when I've completed something. And if I've done something that's not on the list, uh, I'll write it down just so I can scratch it off, which brings to the next question. Okay. Are you more excited at the beginning of a project or at the end? Okay, you know what? If you're a perceiver, you have a lot of energy in the beginning of a project and you have momentum and motivation, and but you kind of get tired. You know what? Forget it. I'm just going to move on to something else. Something else more interesting came along or more important came along. You know what? A judger would say, I'm going to go nuts if I don't finish this. I, even, if, even if I'm doing something else that I like, instead of this, I'm going to be thinking about this. I need to finish it just to have that peace of mind. <laughs> yep, you're a judger. You know right now whether you're a perceiver or a judger. Here's something very interesting, though. I was actually talking to a, an esteemed colleague today, and he said, oh, yeah, no, I'd rather be 57 minutes early. And then he said, well, maybe that's because I was in the military. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You are very, very P. You are extremely perceiver, and I love that about you. And he kind of giggled and goes, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Here's the deal. Again, every single quality, every single letter of your personality can be positive or negative. It just depends on how healthy you are when you are doing those things. And now we're going to get into the really good stuff. The fact that there are going to be things in your personality that you do more than others. You need to do those things more than others. And then there are going to be things that are not your personality that you still have to do in life. You just need to do them in a certain way and for a certain period of time every day. We're going to go ahead and take another quick break, get a, a drink, take a breath, whatever you need to do, because this is where we're going to get down to the nitty gritty, what you need to be doing every day for yourself and with other people in order to make your positive energy that much better and theirs contagious. My name is Gabrielle Cardona. This is The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. Welcome back to the Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. And today we're talking about your true nature and embracing your nature and facilitating other people to embrace their true nature. Because when we do what's natural and organic for us, we are making the world a better place. People can feel our good energy when we are healthy and happy and balanced in what we're doing, true to our nature. That will then encourage other people to do the same thing. And when we have that synergy and we're working together, our power becomes exponentially more. We have the capacity to do and be better, not just more, 
that's quantity, but better quality. Okay, so I kind of um, went over the principles of the different four levels in the beginning and then the different dichotomies. Now, it's very important to know how to determine, discern which of your inter, um, internal activities you do more, most, right? Less down to least. You are still going to do everything in life. How are you going to know what you do most to least? Now, it's very, uh, I don't want to say tricky, but potentially confusing if you're thinking about it too hard. So again, I'm going to go ahead and try and make this as simple without using too many terms as possible. Okay, now, in order to determine your functional order, you look at the last letter of your personality. The last letter of your personality is going to tell you which of the two middle letters you do in an extroverted way. One of the two things that you do in the middle is going to be socially interactive. I said, everybody does everything in, a, in an introverted and an extroverted way. The last letter of your personality is going to tell you whether the NS function or the TF function is extroverted. If you're a perceiver, your second letter will be extroverted. If you're a judger, the third letter of your personality will be extroverted. So that means if the second letter of your personality is extroverted, then the third letter will be introverted. If the third letter of your personality is extroverted, the second letter will be introverted. Okay, so I decided, just because I like my husband's personality so much, I'm going to use an ESTP as my example. Now, as an ESTP, the P in his personality says that the S is going to be extroverted. That means the T is going to be introverted. Okay, so extroverted S, introverted T. Well, if he's an extrovert, he's obviously gonna like to do his extroverted sensing more than his introverted thinking. So his extroverted sensing is his dominant function. He wants to experience everything around him, but in an extroverted way, that means he wants to do that activity in a socially interactive setting. He wants to be extrovertedly sensing more than introvertedly thinking. When he's thinking, he really does better when he's alone. An introverted thinker likes to make this. I'm sorry, what? What? <laughs> okay. When you're an introverted thinker, you know what? That's what you're going to be doing. But if you are an extroverted sensor as your dominant function, you're only going to want to do that a little bit of time. And we'll get back. We'll get into the specifics of how much time you should be doing. Right now, we're just getting down to the order. So again, the P of an ESTP means that the S was extroverted and the T was introverted. The fact that he's an extrovert means he's going to want to do the extroverted sensing more than the introverted thinking. Okay, so then, but he's still going to have to do intuitive things and he's still going to have to do feeling things. Keep in mind, the principles of nature are always about balance. We want to get things back to a balanced state. Well, that means that if he does his sensing in an extroverted way, when he does intuitive things, they're going to be introverted. Okay, if his thinking is introverted, when he does feeling things, it's going to have to be in an extroverted way. That makes sense. That's easy enough. So go ahead and write this down if you need to. Extroverted sensing 
is what he likes to do most. That's number one on his list. Introverted thinking is number two. So if you know what, introverted thinking, it's okay, it's not that bad. The opposite of introverted thinking is extroverted feeling. You know what, that's not too bad. Okay, that's number three on the list. If he loves to do extrovertedly sensing things, he's gonna hate to do introvertedly intuitive things. That's number four on the list. He loves to do number one, he's okay doing number two. You know what, when he doesn't really wanna do number three, then he hates to do number four. I liken them, think about this, with um, the activities of daily life. Again, the breathing, the first level, you really have to do it all the time. You cannot stop yourself from doing it. Well, actually, you know what? You need to do it for at least 50% of your day, preferably around 60%. When you're thinking of it in terms of breathing, yeah, that is very important. You need to do that constantly throughout the day. When you stop yourself, you can harm yourself. Okay. You do need to do it. You're yourself do that. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't really hurt you to do it, but it does require effort, and your body is resistant to doing it. How much can you do it before you end up getting tired? And it's like, okay, and your body says, you know what? I, I'm, I'm actually hurting right now. You need to stop. Well, yeah, if you do it more, you can do it more, but at the same time, we're going to explain why you shouldn't do it more than a certain amount each day. And running, you really are actually wearing your body out, your fourth activity. When you are running, you're hurting yourself. Think, too, about this, because not only when you're doing the walking and running activities, it's hard for you. You're resistant to doing it, but you're not doing what's good for you. You need to spend eight to nine hours a day breathing activities. You need to spend three to four hours a day doing your eating level, number two level activities. You need to spend two to three hours a day doing your walking activities. Okay. And you really shouldn't spend more than an hour and a half a day, one to two hours a day doing activities that for you are like running. That's because if you have a 16-hour day, okay, you need to be doing half of that time what's natural for you. If you are doing something that is your number two level function, yeah, eating, thinking about it, about eating three to four hours a day, that's pretty generous. You can actually cut it down, but it needs to be something that you nourish yourself with, and you don't have to do it all at once. Do it throughout the day, just like breathing. The chore for you is when you're doing your tertiary function, one, or I'm sorry, two to three hours a day, think about if you were to walk for two to three hours a day, if you were walking a good pace, that's eight to 10 miles. That's a lot of walking, depending on how fast you walk. You know what? Three, four, five miles. It might take someone three hours to walk five miles if they're not healthy you still shouldn't do it. Even if you walk five miles, you can walk a 12 minute mile, you're killing yourself. You still shouldn't do it for more than a certain period of time because it does wear away at you. And running, I say, same thing. Yeah, you know what? If you run really well, you can practice it really, really well and you can run really, you know, three, 
okay? Don't run 20 miles per hour for more than two hours a day. Even marathon runners have to stop. So here's how you'll know. Again, I give people just kind of the, the overview of why it's so important. Your dominant function is naturally easy for you. It's so easy, it requires zero effort. It is very pleasurable to you. It's enjoyable for you to do. And you are really, really good at it naturally. Your second number two function, your auxiliary function, it's not automatic for you. You have to have a motivation, an indication that it's time for you to do it. But it is very pleasurable and you're very good at it. Okay, the third activity, the, the number three activity, it's not automatic, okay? And it's not always pleasurable after you do it past that point. It stops being pleasurable for you. But you can get very good at it. You need a motivation to do it and you need a compensation to do it when you're finished, okay? You need that reward when you're done. The, with the dominant function, you do it automatically. You like it. You're good at it. You don't need anything. Your number two function, you need a reason to do it. Your number three function, you need a reason and a reward to do it more than the time frame that I described. Your number four function, you are not good at it. It is not naturally pleasurable for you. Okay. Um, it, it's not easy. It's not easy for you to do. So you need a motivation, a reason to do it and a compensation, which is a reward when you're done, and a recovery time. You really do need to restore yourself back to a high-quality state because, again, remember, when you are doing things like walking and running activities for you, you're not breathing and eating. You have to do what's natural for you more than what's not natural for you. And if you do not do those things in those percentages, the only way you can take care of yourself is by giving yourself the motivation and the compensation and the recovery time doing those activities for doing those kinds of activities. How much do the people in your life know that, you know what, you really do need to restore your energy when you're done doing that activity? They would love to help you do that. Tell them. Well, you don't necessarily know. Okay, so I've talked about uh, for an ESTP, the different activities on the different number levels. Let's go ahead and take another break. Think about what I've been saying. Now I'm going to get into the specific activities that each of those letters, with each of those social orientations qualify as in daily life. I'll give some great examples of those activities. So we're going to take another quick break. My name is Gabrielle Cardona, and this is The Power of Synergy on BBS Radio.
Welcome back to BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and this is The Power of Synergy. Today, we're talking about what is natural for people, what's natural for you, what those things are, really helps you to create positive synergy with people because you're embracing who you are and you're facilitating who they are. When you are both healthy together, you make the world an amazing place. Okay, so we've talked about dichotomies, we've talked about levels, we've talked about different people, really what they do in different ways at different times, but not specifically each of them in examples. Okay, so I decided today that I wanted to do this outdoors because in the setting of real life, there are going to be different activities that we're going to have to do. And I can give you good illustrations on what each of those activities are. Now, today I decided to just pick one personality, and that's an ESTP. Now, keep in mind, that means extroverted, sensory, thinking, perceiver. Now, as a perceiver, his sensing is extroverted. So that means as an extrovert, he wants to do that for eight to nine hours a day. Okay, and that means that his thinking is introverted. He's going to want to do that for three or four hours a day. Now, extroverted sensing just means socially interactive physical stimulation. An example of that would be um, cooking or playing a sport. It's always going to feel and look and hear and smell and tasting, but being socially interactive, actually talking while you do it. That means you're going to want to have a physical activity and you're going to want to be able to talk to people, maybe even a group of people. The more people you talk to, the more aware you are of what you're looking at, the more attentive you are to what you're listening to. And as you're looking around and you're thinking and you've got the motion, you've got the momentum and you can talk and you can multitask while you've got the great hand-eye coordination. You go, okay, you know what? That's extroverted sensing. Introverted sensing is being able to do all those things, but wanting to do it alone. Okay, that's it. Very simple, very easy. Intuition is being able to put all of the things that you've just experienced in a sensory way into a different place in your mind, putting the pieces together. Some people do it in an extroverted way. What that means is you're talking about ideas and you can actually think about all of the different meanings of the different levels because of the connections. And you talk to people in an extroverted way about, but why would that happen if that happened? And, and it really does relate to something like this. But you know what I think? Maybe it might have something more to do with this. Okay, that's intuiting <laughs> out loud with people brainstorming and really collaborating with ideas and understanding and wondering and then, but not really doing anything with it because when you have that intuition and you're focusing on internal things you know what ideas and make a decision but if you are an introverted intuitive as a function as one of your functions is introverted intuition and you know what? You just had a really great conversation with yourself. <laughs> you didn't even have to talk to anybody because you were going through it in your own mind. And you had an amazing epiphany and nobody else knew about it or only one very special person that you trust and that you feel safe with and that you really do feel very natural with. You know, and you might think like this, this you know, and, and really it wouldn't have anything necessarily to do with that. And that person would let you go back in your head 
And then you could go, but what do you think of that? And no one else, you would not let anyone else because the minute that you let other people in on the conversation, hmm, you know what? You have to turn on your extroverted function. You're talking about socially, verbally, personally interactive with three, four, five people, people you don't know. That is then an extroverted activity. Extroverted intuition is just thinking out loud. Introverted intuition is processing in silence. Okay, so now we're talking about making decisions. Thinking. Thinking is not the same thing as intuition, and that's hard for some people because intuiting is a mental activity. Thinking is about making decisions, making choices. When you have to make a choice and you really are on the spot to say, this is a choice, this is a decision that I'm going to make. I have to evaluate the information because I'm going to take action. I'm going to decide one thing or another. Intuiting is a lot of different ideas. The decision of thinking or feeling, okay, if you're a thinker, you are going to be making objective and rational and logical decisions. If you're an extroverted thinker, you do well in a group of people. You actually collaborate well with people who need to make choices, executive choices. Another one of my uh, colleagues, my new colleagues, his dominant function is extroverted thinking. He literally is the leader of a group of, I believe, eight different men and he is constantly getting calls from them, getting emails from them, checking up on them, making sure they are executing what they need to perform in a very good way. And when they say, okay, but you know what, this is going on. He likes to be the one to make that choice. And he makes excellent choices in a group setting because he can collaborate with them enough to, to um, appreciate their objectivity and incorporate that in the information that he's going to make a decision with and to go, okay, that's great. Extroverted thinking is making logical and rational choices and decisions in a socially interactive way. Introverted thinking is coming up with conclusions and understanding complete thoughts and ideas to make a choice or a decision by yourself lot of little choices because choices don't necessarily have to be that big they can be a choice of am i going to go to the store or am i going to stay home well that involves making a choice it involves considering things like there are people who want me home there's going to um, be money spent at the store what's more important time or money that's a decision well how much money do i have that i can spend should i spend it here or over there that's a decision. Okay. Well, if I go to work and I have to make the time, that's a decision. Okay. Well, then I have to go to there. You can be introvertedly thinking about a lot of different things. because You know what? You're constantly making decisions in life. If you make decisions better by yourself, like how to manage money, how to manage your time, what you're going to do with your father-in-law who annoys the life out of you, but he's your father-in-law. So you still have to take care of him choices in life. Yeah. If you're introverted, thinking you really do need to keep it to yourself well then there's the feeling activity extroverted feeling is taking care of other people's emotional needs in a socially interactive way if you genuinely are socially interactive and emotionally attentive to other people you do want to take care of situations with people 
personally, directly interacting with those people as you're making those choices and getting them of not only the choices that you make, but the benefits of those choices. If you're an introverted feeler, you want to just do that by yourself. You don't have to personally interact with the people that you're making decisions about. You just need to take them into consideration. You can do it by yourself. Or it could be that you just want to do it with a small select group of people, not a large population. You do know if you would really work better just taking care of three or four patients than 75 customers, okay, in a restaurant. Taking care of people, extroverted feeling is being a server, being a waiter, a waitress. It could be being a salesman, unless you're only driven for money, doing something (laughs) that is making other people happy. If you're doing it in an extroverted way, you want to do it with as many people as possible. If you do it in an introverted way, you can do it from a distance or with a select few. Now, what I tell people is right now, if you are doing things in your life, keep this in mind. If you are doing things in your life that are actually your lower functions, simply because you have never learned what for you is breathing, what for you is eating, what nourishes you, what gives you that strength and that energy, what calms you down. You know what? It's time for you to learn. Well, let's take an inventory of your life. If you're doing your lower functions, functions more than your higher functions you're actually doing things that are not your nature to do the best way to get your life back in order remember the the percentage you need to do 50 percent at least 50 to 60 percent eight to nine hours a day of your dominant function you need to do three to four hours a day of your auxiliary function you need to do two to three hours a day of your tertiary function. You need to do one, maybe two max of your inferior function. But think about this. The fact that the social orientations of your lower functions are the same as your higher functions. Do whichever function, the lower function, of one social orientation in the context of the higher functions activity. I'm going to give you an example. Let's go back to the ESTP. We only have a few minutes, so I'm going to be very brief. The lower function, the lowest number four function of an ESTP is, is introverted thinking. Or I'm sorry, introverted intuition. <laughs> introverted intuition. They don't want to about the meaning of life because then they're not having the personal experience in a socially interactive way. We don't want to do that. But the good thing about their, their personality is they naturally do introverted thinking. So if they did introvertedly um, intuitive activities in an introverted thinking context, they would be able to do it more. Okay. Now their tertiary function of extroverted feeling, they don't really want to be, and how are you feeling today? Can I do that for you? Can I help you with it? But if they do it in a sensing way, if they do it in a sensing context, they can actually be very attentive to people's feelings because they're already being attentive to people when they're being sensory. They nurture people as a feeling activity while they're being sensory with them. That will make that extroverted feeling so much easier for them. When you talk to yourself, when you talk to others, when you think about things, when you're going through kind of a better understanding of yourself, what do you do in an extroverted way? That is your nature. What do you do in an introverted way? 
Well, find the other activities that you do in that same social orientation and get those activities infused into the ones that are your nature with that social orientation. You will have to make changes in your life. If you are not taking the time to do the things that are naturally the best and the easiest for you to do, you're going to hurt yourself. You need to start looking at how you do spend your day. Do an inventory, actually see what it is that you do and then say, well, what kind of activity is that even for me to do? If you can't even get your lower activities <laughs> into your higher activities way, okay, then do it for your higher activities reason. Get those natural abilities that you have of your higher functions active because if you're running in your, your lower level function, that means you're not breathing get that breath inside of you going. If you're walking too much out of the day, it means you're not eating. You need to get those activities of your true personality going in your life again. You can slowly wean yourself off of your lower activities, but always do it in a helpful way. Talk to people, let them know what you need and pay attention to others. Ask them what they feel and how they think and what they need. And then say to them, absolutely, I can do that for you because you will then understand that you're helping them breathe. When you have these activities that you're doing for them, you will have the synergy with them. You will create a good, positive energy. And that's what makes the world better.